ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 11 uh, as we continue in this long teaching uh, about the place of Jews uh, in God's plan. And we'll be picking up at verse 17, reading through verse 24, uh, Romans uh, chapter 11. I hope you've picked up on the theme of pride uh, in our service so far. The Lord is calling us to humility uh, that is formed by the gospel of grace. So let us, let us uh, pay attention now to God's word. Romans chapter 11, starting at verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, uh, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Uh, Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you too, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, branches, neither will he spare you. Take then a note then the kindness and severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided You continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own um, olive tree. Please pray with me. God and Father, um, our holy God, our righteous Lord Jesus Christ and ever-present Holy Spirit, we pray that you would grant us, as we look into your word, great humility today. And may we see um, your kindness and your severity and your power. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. We need grace from heaven today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In this long section, this long teaching about the place of Jews in God's plan, remember this chapter opened up with the question, has God rejected His people? Has He, been, is he finished with the Jews? And the second question is, did the Jews stumbling... Uh, really caused them to never be restored then to God. We also, however, looked at, at the purpose for their falling. It is God's mission strategy. And that is to make grace attractive, that those who don't have it will envy people that do. The Jews uh, rejected Christ. They rejected the gospel. And so the gospel went to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were so refreshed in the gospel of grace that the theory is that they would then cause the Israelites to become envious, 
to make grace so attractive that those who don't have it uh, will envy people who do. We called this a few weeks ago the gospel ricochet. People affected by grace, affecting other people by grace. First jealousy and then envy to come into the kingdom of God. Next week, we will get to that passage that perhaps several of you have been waiting for, uh, is that a partial hardening has come into Israel uh, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. That's verses 25 and 26. Uh, We'll look at what that means, all Israel to be saved next week. But notice, right in the middle of that argument, right in the middle of that long discussion, Paul just stops. And he talks about something else. He talks about what is a danger. uh, What will jeopardize that gospel ricochet, people being affected by the way grace works in others. There's a problem that he is He's calling the people to notice. There's an urgent warning that can derail our mission, and that is the problem of pride. The problem of pride. Pride kills our mission. Pride is that idea that God favors us. God favors me, which makes me better than you. And that is not the kind of message that many people are going to want to respond to. This has been a problem throughout the history of the church. Um, Early on, uh, Martin Luther wrote a pamphlet uh, called this, Jesus was born a Jew. Uh, It was in a time that uh, there was some some criticism uh, of the Jewish people. And and Luther is, is really sticking up for them in a way right here. He's, in a way, he's calling people to be kindly towards the Jews, to instruct them in the Scripture. Um, and then we can expect them to come over to us, uh, he was saying. And so he displays in this pamphlet great patience and, and graciousness and generosity. Well, guess what? The Jews didn't come running to the church through the Gospel. And later on, uh, what, what you could call later Luther, where he shows really himself in the worst possible light, uh, he, he says, okay, if they're not going to respond to the gospel, destroy their houses, burn their synagogues, silence their rabbis, take their money, take them as slaves. And he said this. This is a quote from this a, a second pamphlet later on in his life. Find a way to be free of this insufferable, devilish burden. The Jews. Martin Luther was one of the formative voices, of course, throughout German history. Do you think he had might have had some role in the rise of Nazism early in the la- middle of last century? Well, our point today is that we are not going to presume on grace. We're going to marvel at grace. We're going to marvel at God's grace to us and say that there is no room for pride. And there are four things we want to draw out of this text this morning. Four strong warnings against pride to the Gentile Christians who had been brought into the church through the, through the slicing away of the Jewish people. And the first thing is this. There is no place for boasting against Jews or anyone. There is no place for boasting. 
You can imagine the Gentiles in that church at Rome who were proud of the fact that they had been called by God's grace into the church. They were self-satisfied. You can imagine them saying something like this. Ah, yes! The Jewish branches were cut off. And well, they should be! The Jewish branches were cut off to make room for me. To make room for my kind. right. It is right for us to be grafted in. What, what is this but an attitude of puffing themselves up and putting the Jewish people down and really despising them and they became proud of having grace. They are in danger of missing the gospel at its very simplest, at its core. And that is salvation is by grace. And we And they're saying we deserve grace and others don't. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who wrote, uh, uh, had a a series of sermons on the the book of of Romans. I I heard someone say a while back, we're in our 50s in this Romans series. (laughs) That's a really long time. Well, Martin Luther uh, taught through Romans on Friday nights for a period of 14 years. Years every Friday night. So we are taking a quick look through Romans, aren't we? Well, uh, Lord Jones says this. Um, if you think you were chosen because you're superior to the Jews, you have fallen into precisely the same error. He goes on to say, it is never a matter of nationality or merit or goodness. There is no place in our hearts for boasting. And yet how often we cling to something in our heritage, something in our nationality, something in our background, something in our knowledge that makes us a little more worthy of other people, worthy of grace. But the Apostle elsewhere warns us that knowledge puffs up. Well, we have, we are in danger of puffing ourselves up if we, are th- if we think we are better than others. And so, my call for you at this point is to be suspicious of yourself. To be suspicious. We are prone to pride. It is easy for us to look down on non-Christians. Have you ever noticed yourself as you see someone walking through the store and maybe you notice a body covered with tats? And, and you might look at them, you might look at, you might look at, at the way they walk or the way they talk or how they're dressed and how they may, perhaps how they raise their children. Um, you may look at other people in, in New Jersey who just have a commitment to live their lives around this goal of going down the shore. Is that how you say it? Going down to the beach. And that, is, that is what their lives are built around. And you can, you can look at people like that and you can just say, that's not like me. In other words, I'm better than that. And you see, our arrogance blinds us, and and we've forgotten that we are saved by grace. We are saved by, uh, we are blood-washed sinners. And there's nothing about you that makes you better. When, when, When you find yourself clucking your tongue and looking down at someone else, you have forgotten grace. And you've allowed pride to come in. Kids, I want you to think about this. When you head back to school, 
Um, it is easy in, in our schools as well as in our neighborhoods and elsewhere for there to be an inside group and an outside group. And, 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 and it is possible when you go into a school, you've got your inside people there, your friends, and you look at people on the outside, the way they're dressed or, or, or the way they look or any, any distinguishing feature about them, and you sort of ignore them. The gospel calls us to be the ones, kids, who say hi to the kids in the other group. Just that little thing. Just say hi to the ones in the other group. You have nothing to boast about in yourself. And that's what helps uh, to bring walls down, even, even in a public school. Now, the second thing is then, don't forget, Paul drives this home, don't forget the root of the gospel is Jewish. Uh, the root supports you, and you aren't more important than the root. We didn't read this text this morning, but, but verse 16 really gives a summary of, uh, of, of, of two metaphors to humble the Gentiles. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. The whole harvest is dedicated to God, and it's represented by the first fruits. And so the Jewish believers would be the first fruits, but it is absurd to think that we, in the later and bigger harvest, are better than they are. That's foolishness. We are not more special than the first fruits. And the second one is, is that branches draw life from the root. They can't be more, therefore they can't be more important. Verse 18 goes on to say, Do not be arrogant toward the branches. Um, if you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. You've been grafted into an olive tree, and the nourishing root of that olive tree supports you and not the other way around. And, of course, this is pointing back to the Old Testament uh, where God had planted an olive tree, and he tended it, and he fertilized it, and he pruned it, and he expected it to bear fruit, a fruit of faithfulness to him, and ultimately the fruit of accepting the Messiah that would, that would be to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. But they rejected Christ, as we well know. The question is, did God therefore reject the tree? Did God therefore reject the olive tree? He did not. He cut off branches, those that weren't bearing fruit, and he grafts in the wild shoots, but there is still one olive tree. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, today, there is one way to be grafted into that olive tree, one way to come to faith in Christ, or one way to come to the Lord, and that is by grace alone, through Christ alone, and by faith alone. Now, in the Old Testament, they were mostly Jewish, with some foreigners and some strangers that were grafted in. That wasn't the norm. But today, the norm is that in the New Testament, they're mostly Gentiles, with some Jews grafted in. But the point here is it is one tree. One tree, not two trees. I can remember um, vividly, the picture is in my mind as I, as I tell this story, but I remember vividly when I was a, a kid, I don't know, in my teens, I suspect, but my father was preaching uh, about, about the, the one olive tree. 
perhaps from this passage, perhaps from Romans chapter 2. I don't know. I don't remember. But he was saying that Christians are the true children of Abraham. No dispute here, right? Christians are the true spiritual seed of Abraham. But there was uh, a Jewish guy that was at church that day. And I can remember him as he was talking to my father upon leaving the church building. He, He was steaming. And Dad said, no, um, actually, um, I am just as much, in fact, more so, a child of Abraham than an unbelieving Jewish person. Oh, my goodness. Look with me back at at, uh, chapter 2. I'll read verses 28 and 29. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is is not from man, but from God. And, And people, what does this create in us? The fact that some branches were cut off and were grafted in. What is that? That, There's no room for pride there. If anything, it produces humility. And the Lord would call us, if we want this gospel ricochet to be at work, the Lord would call us to be not only humble, but to have no hatred for Jewish people, but rather love. Uh, On April 27th, you may recall a young man named John Ernest opened fire on the Shabbat synagogue in Southern California. And he was motivated by hatred of the Jews and strangely some warped sense of honoring God while he was shooting down, seeking to shoot down uh, Jewish people. And of course, what makes this memorable for us is that there was, he was a son of an elder in the Escondido church very nearby. And so we're shocked by that. We're shocked by that. What, what, is, what is far less frequently mentioned, however, is what happened the next day in nearby Escondido. They had been planning for months a celebration, and they called it the Holocaust Remembrance Day in nearby La Jolla. And the Israeli consulate at that ceremony honored a member of the Daru, Daru family. The Daru family, during the Nazi occupation of the Netherlands, had harbored Jewish people within their midst in the name of Christ. Including, uh, including an infant whose cries easily could have alerted the Nazis and who could, have, who could have cost them their lives. But there they were, sheltering this group of 14 until they could find, until they could find uh, peace elsewhere. And, and there was a man uh, who, was, who grew up in that home. His name was Herman Deru, um, who received a medallion uh, that day called uh, Righteous Among Na- the Nations, a, a medallion from the Jewish Israeli consulate, Righteous Among the Nations. A- and this man if, was an Orthodox Presbyterian elder 
whose family had laid down their lives for the Jewish people. And one of the other family members asked one of the leaders of that ceremony, do you realize that this person comes from the same church, the same denomination as the shooter who terrorized the synagogue just a few miles away? And the man said, yes, I am aware of that. But I've seen in certain reading, reading of different statements from the church that their motivation, the motivation of that church, is to love and honor the Jewish people. That's not a story that many of us have heard. Well, you would hear it if you read the New Horizons, but that doesn't have very much a wide readership. Well, the, the third thing, then, is, is, is the cure for boasting. The, the, how, how do you get, how do you eradicate, how do you rip out boasting uh, from the human heart? And, and that is, in verses 22 and 24, is, is getting God right. Getting God right. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with, with such patience uh, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? He did this in order to make the riches of his glory for vessels of, uh, known for vessels of mercy. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Huh, let me go back. Uh, excuse me. Uh, note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. And even, the, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in. Again, Paul is saying, you defeat the pride that is so e- easily creeps into our lives by looking at the kindness of God to those who have confessed their sins and believed, to look at the severity of God against those who have rejected the Lord and the power of God. Now, this has very practical implications for us because we so often look for different things to sort of unpack the problems that we have in our lives. You might, you might be t- finely tuned into a sermon uh, that is t- entitled this, Five Ways to Deal with Your Anger. Oh good, I've got some steps that I can do and i just got to get to step five and I'll be, I'll be fine. Or, or six ways to bring about peace. Uh, into your family or into your marriage. But, but Paul says, remember God's kindness, his severity, and his power. Remember, first of all, the kindness of God, the goodness of God. He reaches down to rescue sinners. And he places us on a rock. You and I, make no mistake about it, you and I were wandering around in self-destruct mode, we weren't looking for God. We weren't pursuing God. We weren't, we weren't looking to be saved. We were looking for any other possible way to live than in submission to God. And in His kindness, He pursues us in His electing grace. Well, what else besides God's kindness can quiet your anger? What else besides God's kindness can bring about true rest in your family? Where you, as God works in our hearts through the ministry of the word, he gives us that that tenderness and that gentleness and that mercy 
towards one another. What else can kill pride but that kindness of God? We also see that God's severity, that is, His strict judgment on the fallen, is also a part of His character. God always acts righteously. That word severity has to do with God's strict judgment. And so we have pity on the unbelieving Jews and we have compassion on them. And the cross reminds us of God's severity. That the eternal Son of His love was rejected. And listen to these verbs from from, uh, Isaiah chapter 53. He was smitten. He was afflicted. He was wounded. He was crushed for you. The severity of God. You've missed it, but Christ didn't. And and then thirdly, the, the power of God. He cut off the natural branches in order to graft the wild ones back in. And then and then look at this, the end of chapter 11, verse 23 again. God has the power to graft them in, uh, the, the, uh, the, the natural um, olive branches. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree. The power of God. It's an easy thing for God to do that. But, but we need to remind, be reminded of that, of that kindness and that severity and that power ourselves. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. Just what happens if you emphasize one of those at the expense of the others? And, and I think all of us might tend towards one or the other of those, of, those, of those three and just lose sight of the beautiful balance of the character of God that we just see displayed in the person and the temperament of Jesus Christ. Well, what, what if you see God as only kind? What if you see him as only kind? Well, then you have a mushy gospel. We have, he doesn't have standards. He doesn't really care what you do. And there's no call for holiness, and there's little need for Christ, and there's little need for a life of repentance. God is just kind. And He just welcomes you and sit down and enjoy your day. And miss so much of the call of the gospel. Well, what about uh, those who might see God as only severe? who treats you as your sins deserve. And and you see that, and you you might recognize that God forgives others, but you have a very hard time recognizing or believing that God truly forgives you. And and the the notion sort of creeps in that we are saved by grace. Not that. Saved by grace. But it's up to us to, to stay in the covenant by pleasing God. I remember many, many years ago having a conversation with an Arminian pastor and, and what I noticed about him was a sense of desperation, almost fear, as he was talking about his role as a pastor. And, and he was saying very clearly that God loves the world. God loves the world. 
Um, and yet, once you are saved, it's up to you to sort of live up to the standard that God has given you. And if you can't do that, well, then you live a life of anxiety and desperation because you face God's rejection. And I stood there, I just looked at him. And, and after a while, I said to him, <laughs> let, me, let me get this right. What you're saying is, God loves the world. It's Christians he can't stand. And he looked at me and he said, I guess that's what I'm saying. You you have the severity of God, but without any... Listen, to this is what some of the great old teachers would say. Without the present value of the blood of Christ. That means the blood of Christ for me today. Or, or if you view God just as raw power, but without goodness. This is a sense of God. This is a sense of God measures you, but He doesn't help you. He measures you. He knows full well how far short you fall, but He doesn't help you. He doesn't pity you in your suffering. And there's no help for you in your weakness. God never relates to His people in any other way than as Father. That is His nature. And a father pities his children. Merciful to his children. And when you see that, When you see that deep down in your heart, you lay down that compulsion that we so often slip into just to appear to other people as together intact and everything's great with me. And we're really saying, I'm okay and I don't need Jesus. But God is saying, no, no, you have the full complement of my kindness and my power as Father because my severity was poured out on Jesus. And thereby we are set free. And pride. Pride. No room for pride anymore. Finally and briefly uh, briefly here, there's just one more I want to get at. And that is that we are called to persevere in the faith and not to presume. In verse uh, 20, uh, 20 um, they were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. The end of verse 22. Well, note then the kindness and severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. This passage uh, does not contradict so much the rest of the teaching of Scripture. It doesn't teach that you can be cut off from grace. Uh, You rather continue in his kindness. You keep standing in his grace. It reminds us of what Paul says in Acts 14. Continue in the faith. Of course, he says, it's through tribulations that you must enter the kingdom of God. You must enter the kingdom of God only through tribulations. That's the only way in is through by, by, God's, by God's grace through faith, but through those tribulations. So continue in that faith. Don't be surprised by them. And this calls for a daily and fresh appreciation of the kindness and mercy of God. 
John Murray says about this text, there is no security in the bond of the gospel apart from perseverance. Okay, how do you persevere? It's only, it's only by God's grace. And that will keep you from boasting. If you uh, trust in Christ, if you have trusted in Christ, keep doing so. Keep trusting in Christ. Keep living by faith. Never boast in what you do, only in Jesus. And isn't that why we are offered the table today? To remind us of God's willingness and desire. And so we say, Lord, lead us often. Lead us daily to the living bread. Let's pray. Great God. Great God and Father. And our precious Lord and Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would seal in our minds the glorious gospel that drives out pride, that we may be a people who have lives of kindness and mercy to others. We pray that you would grow your church through the ministry of the gospel, our lives displaying that great kindness. And now we pray that in our weakness you would meet us. Even with the memory of things done this week, that you would meet us in this supper. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.